0: shit pay so i can sit out here and waste my life away drag back home and drown my troubles away it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to people like me people like you wish i could just wake up and it not be true but it is oh it is
1: Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host, star of the show, Hall of Famer, America's Most Beloved Sports Writer, Kevin Kernan. This is Coaching Kernan, episode 265 on the network. Uh, Before we introduce uh, our guest today, which we've had a great response for on social media and our star of the show, just want to thank our faithful subscribers approaching that 50,000 mark right now. 74 countries, grassroots, all the way to MLB front offices. We've got the year of the people out there and it's because of your support, we're able to continue to bring you great content like we are today on Coaching Kernan. Uh, with that, I want to welcome Kevin back to his show today and had two great articles again, New World Order and Exploding Elbows uh, caught the the attention of a lot of great baseball people. And uh, it's it's really painting the picture of what's going on in baseball right now in those two articles, loud and clear. But uh, Kevin, welcome back to your show and Love to have you expound upon those two for us. Yeah, Dave, it's really sad what's going on, to be quite honest. And
0: I don't know how much more I can even watch games. It's gotten to that point. And, um, and I may make a, a switch to do more feature-type columns because I just can't stand this garbage anymore. And the people running it are garbage in a lot of ways, too. I want to make this point very clear. I was on Ricky show showing FAN this weekend and got incredible response because I just told it like it is. I'm kind of like the Oliver Anthony of uh, you know writers here, and um, without the money that he's getting, of course. Uh, let's make that clear. But uh, that's life. But it's it's almost like a calling now because it's so bad. And every day I see things, and the people are sending me things every day. Like Kevin, what do you think of this? And I'm I actually can't respond to it anymore. And I'm going to ask our guests uh, about one of the things I saw yesterday. Uh, but yes, with the the new world order. I want to make this clear. Cashman brought this all in. I had talked to him a lot. This wasn't just written this week. I was gathering information months over months at a time about this. And, um, and, and you know, after basically after the 2018 season, he went all analytic. They got rid of baseball people. The director of pitching left, went to Georgia Tech because they didn't want to be – they didn't want to have this lorded over them. And Cashman went all in on it, and here we are, 11 games out of the stupid wild card, the easy wild card. They've never been worse. They're an organization uh, that's a joke right now. Yankee fans responded heavily to me uh, over the weekend Um, and the exploding elbow stories about Otani, the great unicorn who, and I wrote unicorns get Tommy John too. And sometimes they get double Tommy John and he was a big driveline guy. Yankees hired driveline guys, Uh, you know, nothing against driveline. Maybe some of the stuff works, maybe it doesn't, but it's, I'm just pointing out that that's, that's, they're part of the, uh, they were involved in both teams here and Otani, you know, You know, this thing, uh, this whole, you know, the the weighted balls, we've talked about with some of our guests and everything else, the max velocity, uh, chasing 100. uh, Both articles are very detailed and um, uh, exploding elbows. Uh, I remember it hit me about four or five years ago, Dave, uh, and and we'll get right to our guests now, but I want to explain this. I'm at pre-Mets camp. Jacob DeGrom is doing a a bullpen, and – a bullpen in pre-spring training. This is pre-spring training. Regular pitchers and catchers I haven't reported yet, but they're they're working out on their own. That's like you go out in the bullpen, you do your throwing, you do this. So I'm I'm right by the bullpen, you know, right across two feet away from the ground. After every pitch, two interns who both looked like they were, you know, needed to hit the weight room themselves. Um, we take a, a measurement, I uh, take a, uh, we'd measure his stride length. They would input it in a computer. They had computers all over the place. They had, uh, they were making every measure impossible. And this was his, and I think this was the beginning of his chasing 100, which eventually we, we know the rest of the story. He hasn't been the same Jacob deGrom since basically. So they, they, they get into the team, they infest team, they get in there, they get in teams. And then they push the baseball people aside. They are not inclusive. I want to make that clear. They don't bring the baseball people into their thought process. And that's where
1: we are at baseball. And let's get to our great guest. Yeah, I think it was I, I love the two articles also. And I, I get pissed because we have great baseball people on this show uh, day in and day out. And we're lucky enough to have someone like yourself. And I, I don't like how they, they denounce everything that they want to control. Until they actually control it. And then they, they cost Otani 150 to $200 million with this. Uh, and if he doesn't care, that's that's on him. And yep. the Yankees have been a, a storied franchise for you know a century plus. And uh, to see them 11 plus games out of the wild card race where everybody makes the playoffs and uh, everybody gets a ring, society is just, uh, it, it's gotten lower than we could possibly imagine. Well, you,
0: so. you hit the right word and we can
1: uh, discuss this in further shows, but it's all about control. It's really that simple. Yeah. And uh, with that, we'll introduce our guest. We, we may have some technical difficulty with him. He's texting me. Let's see how this, this works out. Um, longtime baseball man. Has a unique perspective, that 360-degree view of the game. So he's qualified to speak on anything and everything. Former professional player. Served as a front office executive for the Padres, the Angels, the Red Sox. Also served as a vice president Major League Baseball umpiring. And... What I want to talk to a lot about is, is he was the first president of the Arizona Fall League, which is the annual training ground for MLB's elite prospects out there. Um, He knows the baseball business and the business of baseball. And with that, I want to introduce our guest today, Mike Port.
2: Thanks, Dave and Kevin. It's great to be with you. Yeah.
1: We're excited to have you on the show, Mike. We've had a lot of good feedback from our social media audience when we promoted it last night. It was anywhere from former professional players to former front office people, and everybody says the same thing. They, they talk about you as a person, but they talk about you as somebody who understands that unique perspective. I said it in the intro. You, you, you know the baseball business, but you also know the business of baseball, and uh, Kevin's articles hit on both of those things, and I um, kind of want to start you off on a broad question. And let you take it wherever you want to go. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you've spent a lifetime in baseball, player, executive, and, and, uh, umpiring, development. What drew you to the game or what draws you to the game? What, what do you love about the game of baseball?
2: Well, baseball was uh, always my favorite. Uh, my, uh, I had been a big fan growing up, certainly being on the West Coast when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles Uh, Fortune smiled upon me in an unheard of fashion when uh, Duke Snyder uh, picked my hometown to uh, uh, move to uh, while he was with the Dodgers, and that just uh, strengthened uh, my interest in the game. My aspiration, as many of uh, my friends and some of your listeners may know, my aspiration growing up was to play for 20 years in the major leagues. And then, uh, after 20 years, perhaps go into that front office stuff, whatever that was. Uh, The only thing was, as fate would have it, uh, those 20 years that I was going to play in the big leagues uh, ended about 19 years and 10 months sooner uh, than my perfect plan called for. And uh, thanks to being in the right place at the right time, Uh, With some great people, Uh, I was given an opportunity to to move into the front office. And uh, aside from loving the game and enjoying the game as I did, uh, the front office, uh, in all respects, became a a fascination for me for the next uh, probably 30 to 40 years. It's important to have those people that will give you that
1: little nudge um, and, and help you get going. G- g- there was there was an individual that you worked for on two occasions I, I believe um that that thought highly enough of you to not just mentor you but uh continue to bring you along to help him grow his career by the last name of Bavezi could you speak a little bit about that relationship
2: well uh that goes to in my mind dave to what baseball used to be uh About uh, three years before I ever met Buzzy Bovese, and let me digress and say uh, I have to comment here that uh, I think it is uh, a shame, a a grievous oversight that Buzzy Bovese, who started out, as you know, as the general manager of the Dodgers, is not in the Hall of Fame. Eight National League pennants, four World Series, two American League Division Championships, Uh, a part in the integration of baseball, just so many positive things that can be said about him. Uh, A World War II veteran, on and on and on, uh, but not in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, back to my point, about three years before I ever even met Buzzy, uh, Duke Snyder was gracious enough to bring me over here to the Arizona area to uh, spend two weeks with the then Dodgers Instructional League team. And when I got ready to leave, I went to the hotel to pay my bill. And I was told by the clerk at the desk, you owe nothing. It's already been taken care of by Mr. Bavese. And uh, so uh, when I got back to the West Coast, I wrote Buzzy a proper thank you note. And interestingly, I got a letter back from him. Uh, something that you won't see much of in this day and age from front office people. But I got a response from him saying, thank you for your letter. Perhaps someday we will meet and discuss our hobby, baseball. Again, that was the way things used to be. And it was a a professional courtesy to me and to the utmost degree. Uh, I must tell you that uh, when I signed a contract as one of the original Padre organization players, Uh, After they became a major league club, uh, Duke Snyder was the signing scout. And Duke uh, got me a bonus uh, of uh, $1,000 and came to me, presented me the bonus check. And Duke told me, now, I'm going to give you some of the best advice you're ever going to get. He said, if you're smart, you'll cash this check before Buzzy sees you play. And... (laughs) Truer words were never spoken. Uh, I once asked Buzzy uh, in subsequent years what he saw in me for the Padres to sign me as a player. And Buzzy's uh, sense of humor was such that he told me, the truth is we only had eight other guys at the time. So uh, we had a good time over those years. But again, eight National League pennants, four World Series, two American League Division championships, etc., etc., you're going to learn a lot from being around someone like him as well. uh, His number one son, Peter uh, was the one who gave me my first front office opportunity, uh, releasing me as a player uh, to the joy of then Key West Padres manager, Don Zimmer, because uh, Zim and I could never get on the same page. And I think Zimmer rejoiced when I was released as a player, but a week later, I came back as the general manager of that minor league club, and I can just imagine that, boy, was Zim thrilled. Uh, but we, we struck up a, a, an excellent friendship, and Zimmer was another individual from whom I learned so much baseball. Uh, Buzzy, Peter, Zimmer, Preston Gomez, so many people along the way, and I think it falls in line operationally with uh, what I – was uh, taught by Buzzy, uh, try to hire people smarter than you are and let them do their jobs. And secondly, uh, something that I don't see a lot of nowadays, you're only as good as the people you work with. Uh, And I often told people, uh, whatever their station in the organization, you don't work for me, uh, you work with me. Uh, You don't work for me unless you put yourself in that position by doing something untoward or improper. And so I've been uh, indeed fortunate to uh, work with a lot of high-quality people over the years.
1: Well, that level of confidence of having people around you that are competent is definitely missing today in our baseball world. It seems to be an exclusive club that they spend more time trying to keep people out than getting good people in. Um, I, you know, you, you mentioned some great names there in baseball. In terms of dealing with people, you know, you, you, you mentioned Zimmer, um, you mentioned Bevesi, uh, you mentioned Duke Snyder. What, what were some of the the uh, things they taught you or shared with you in terms of how to deal with people?
2: Uh, I think uh, Bussie just had a, a feeling for dealing with, with people. He could be Uh, tough if you wanted him to be. Remember, this was a guy, as another of Buzzy's credentials, uh, who won a bronze star in World War II. Uh, And he could be tough if need be, but he was uh, soft-hearted and of genuine concern for people along the way. And I think one of his priorities was that the game is the people involved in the game. And the game is the game. You don't need a lot of gimmicks or trickery uh, to... uh, to improve it, what improves it are the players and the way they are taught to act and perform on the field.
1: Yeah, it's a far cry from today, as as we'll we'll make note of where it's not moving numbers around. Players aren't dividends; you can't break them up and and uh, disperse uh, like a dollar. You've got to treat them like people. But with, with from the business standpoint, you've had a just a. Vast array of experiences with the business. As we look at baseball now, I'd like to get your opinion on this. In most business cases, when you're trying to grow something, the last thing you want to re- do is reduce the entry point. And Major League Baseball has reduced the draft. They've re- reduced the minor league systems. They've done away with the development leagues. You know, at, at one time, you were the president of the Arizona Fall League, which is where the elite of the elite were sent to to grow their game. What's your thoughts and opinions on on that? Um, I guess, paradox as baseballs reducing their entry point as they're saying they're trying to grow the game. What, what's your thoughts?
2: Uh, I think it's a heinous mistake. Uh, first of all, with respect to the Arizona Fall League, and thanks go to the late Roland Hemond for having that idea. Roland was the father of the Arizona Fall League, with the premise being that uh, hopefully in the Fall League you would see next year's Rookies of the Year perform. And that was the case, I believe, for the first uh, several years of its existence. Uh, It was a place for people to get extra at-bats, extra innings pitched, extra instruction. Uh, Perhaps that remains the case to some degree in the present day, but my observation is that it has increasingly become a laboratory for wild and extraneous ideas Uh, composed by people from who knows where, Uh, whether it's a pitch evaluation system, whether it's the color of the foul poles. uh, It's, uh, I think, lost its way. uh, As far as the developmental systems, uh, the reduction of minor league clubs uh, is astounding to me. Uh, When back around 2015, the word was that... uh, Certain people wanted to, quote, grow the game. How do you grow the game by taking baseball away from 40 or 42 cities across the country and costing 1,000 playing jobs, let alone 40 jobs for umpire development, uh, bus drivers, restaurants, hotels, etc.? And what was overlooked by the people who fathomed this is not just the the savings of uh, which I'm sure were of interest to uh, uneducated elements of ownership. But even if a minor league player does not make it to the major leagues, these people are lifelong fans. These people are lifelong ambassadors for the game. Uh, So many of them every once in a while, I'll see them uh, on Facebook. And even though they may not have prospered at the major league level, they are still involved with the game. They still follow the game, yet Somebody uh, interesting that you uh, interesting that you played uh, at the outset, Oliver Anthony's uh, song, uh, "Rich Men north of Richmond. Uh, I think you can go north of Richmond to find some people who are uh, responsible for the disintegration of what baseball used to be and for that matter, what it should be.
1: Those are those are great points and. You know, I, I think of two words when I, and again, I hate to keep parallel it to society, but baseball's become the watering hole. I think for, like you said, an experimental rich elite, and you know, it's, it's almost like an extermination where we should be regenerating the game. So extermination versus regeneration, and I, it saddens a lot of our audience. But we got to keep keep pushing forward with it to see if we can swing this pendulum back to where it should be. Um, it, and you, you've had the experience with the umpires as well. And and for our audience, just so you know, Mike was the very first president of the Arizona Fall League. So, um, Mike, let me let me take you that that instead of the umpire route. What was your? I know you mentioned it was a, a way to see next year's rookies of the year, but what was the focus when you guys got in there? Because we see a lack of fundamentals in baseball today. Base running mistakes. There's no bunting, no moving guys over. We miss cutoff men's pot fly communication. I mean, you can go down the list. When you got those guys in there for the Arizona Fall League, in addition to extra at bats, what was the what were the key points you were trying to have them walk out of there with? When they said Arizona Fall League is about X, Y, Z, what would they what would they say? What would you say?
2: Well, the lack of fundamentals that I see. Dave and Kevin, in in this day and age, especially at the major league level, are nothing short of astounding to me. Uh, The other day, although I don't watch games much anymore, I will make that admission because, again, I categorize myself as an arch-conservative baseball dinosaur. And I would say to those who may enjoy the modern game, good for you, I'm happy for you. It's just that, in my opinion, I don't think you know what a watered-down product it is, and I don't believe you know what you are really missing. Uh, That said, uh, back to the days of the Arizona Fall League, the manager at Sun Cities was uh, a gentleman by the name of Ron Washington, certainly one of the foremost fundamentalists uh, still in the game today. The manager at Scottsdale was a gentleman by the name of Dusty Baker, uh, who has prospered as a manager wherever he's gone. And these were people who, well, among the other managers in the Fall League communicated fundamentals, something that you don't see a lot of today from the clips that I see in Major League Baseball. I think it was just within the last uh, three or four days that uh, in a New York Yankee game with a runner on second base, and I didn't catch whether there was uh, uh, one or no outs, but with a ground ball in front of him to the shortstop, the runner tried to go to third base and was thrown out by 15 feet. The New York Yankees, for God's sake. I mean, you have to wonder what is going on, what is missing. And then, as Kevin has written, when you delve into it, people are looking for shortcuts and elements of, uh, I would say, trickery, uh, You know, using radar guns to clock bat speed, one thing and another. But the bottom line is, Too many people do not know how to play the game. Uh, And in this, I blame analytics uh, and uh, the, uh, I guess, historically, the money ball element, uh, because that has uh, brought in too many uninvolved people. And the major leagues now, in my opinion, uh, have too many people involved who are not, quote, baseball players. Uh, not all of them. Certainly, there are some solid people. Certainly, there are some good, solid players, but not enough of them. I think as a as a result of uh, the analytical movement, the major leagues today are populated by too many what I would call one-trick ponies. Uh, and you can throw in with that too many no-trick ponies, uh, which reminds me of a professional football team, an NFL team. Uh that uh, relied on analytics and did not meet with success. Uh, finally, something that you don't see much of in baseball, but finally, they smartened up and they brought in a veteran football man to oversee the operation. And his evaluation was this team has no football players. They've got people who can run, but they can't hold on to the ball. They've got people who can hold on to the ball, but they can't run. Uh, again, one-trick ponies, if you will, and the lack of fundamentals, which sometimes will compensate for shortcomings in ability, is woefully lacking in Major League Baseball. Uh, so much of it has been replaced by technology and people looking for shortcuts. And, uh, you know, one thing that is missing from the game, I saw something the other day, uh, a letter from one club uh, who is, of all things, playing woefully, and yet plans to increase ticket prices, saying that one of the benefits would be that you are allowed early entry into the ballpark. But when you don't take infield and people are fooling around during batting practice, what's, what's the large benefit of getting in early? Uh, the game is, if you enjoy the game as it is today, good for you. But I just again submit, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know the denigration and the quality of the game. And again, speaking of people north of Richmond, go all the way to New York. I think this is where a lot of this shortcoming is fomented.
1: Yeah, and I I, I think those are that's a wonderful answer to it. And I get concerned. I'm going to pass it on to Kevin uh, after this. I get concerned about the more reliant uh, players become on the technology, and the more they take thinking out of the game, from the you know pitcher to catcher. Uh, that, that creativity and genius that I, I love in the game is going to be gone. And that's the only way that these guys are going to be able to battle this artificial intelligence and the technology that they're being infused with nowadays. It, it concerns me, not as, not just as a former baseball player and a college coach, but as a dad as well with two boys that are playing the game. So with that, Kevin, I'll pass it on to you um, to, to, to go with Mike. Yeah, great stuff.
0: Um, you know, we're lucky to have Mike because he, he he knows so much uh, from different aspects Yes, he wasn't much of a player in the major league sense or minor league sense, but he was there, umpires, running teams. I I got a couple questions, Mike. Talking about the lack of fundamentals, I'm going to blow your mind here because you probably haven't seen it. But Joey Gallo in in a tie game, I think he was a fake runner uh, yesterday. He's on second base as a pop fly hit towards the dugout. Uh, Rangers game, low, the first base, and runs over, catches it, and makes a nice little catch uh, right along the railing. Gallo gets doubled off first base on a pop fly by the uh, on-deck batter. How, how You know, and and I guarantee you, nobody said anything to him. There's no accountability. So Gallo's been playing his whole life, you know. he He has to know this. But they, it's just unbelievable. That have you ever seen anything like that anywhere in your life? And the the question I want to ask you, your former manager, what would Don Zimmer say about to the player about that play when it happened? If uh, we could go back in time and put Zimmer, Zimmer, the manager, uh, uh, right there, and what would he say to his man
1: Joey Gallo?
2: Well, in response, Kevin, I would submit that Zim, in however many words. Uh, that I can summarize in one word, would be unprintable, unrepeatable, unprintable. Uh, because this is a, a basic violation of uh, baseball tenants, baseball knowledge. Uh, and uh, and I think that, uh, uh, as I would imagine Zim would do, it would not surprise me to see him call timeout, uh, tell that particular runner, uh, come over here, have a nice seat in the dugout, and watch how other people try to play the game. Uh, You know, it it occurred to me the other day that uh, so many of us were taught growing up uh, to look for players with five tools. And perhaps now that is what analytics focuses on, uh, running, hitting, throwing, fielding, hitting with power, uh, you know, swing speed, exit velocity, uh, launch angle, uh, all of the other phony elements in my book. Uh, But I was also taught that there are actually eight tools, uh, because the other three uh, would be respect for the game and country, game knowledge and awareness, knowing what to do and when to do it. And that is apparently what you just alluded to. This particular individual had no game knowledge or awareness, and you should not, as a matter of opinion, need an index card to tell you uh, that as an extreme, that if the ball is popped up near the dugout, you better get back to the bag lest you be doubled off. Uh, it's, uh, it's baseball acumen, and uh, people used to prepare for games. Nothing wrong with using analytics to prepare for a game. But once the game starts, all of that should be trusted to players' ability to remember what to do and when to do it. And the last tool... Uh, is something that uh, apparently might have been missing in that situation as well, and that would be the element of what is summarily known as heart—the uh, willingness to compete, the willingness to do the right things at the right time in order to try to win the game, not to fall asleep uh, when you're out in the middle of the diamond.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's unbelievable, and was a, I'm glad you brought up those extra points. And of course we're an excuse making society now and people were saying, well, he's, you know, he's, he was really making a good play. This is what the nerds response is. He was really making a good play. Cause if, if, if Lowe falls in the first into the dugout, then he can go to third. Well, first of all, uh, and you were the umpire guy. If Lowe falls into the dugout, isn't he out of play and doesn't he get third anyway?
2: Yes. I, I think you're, you're right on that account. But, uh, That is the problem with analytics. Uh, You can't just play the game as it should be played. There are always going to be one uh, ridiculous step beyond. And, uh, you know, there are people... uh, I heard uh, your presentation last week with with Ruben Amaro, uh, a highly knowledgeable guy, uh, who made the mention that uh, the further away you get from the game... Uh, the easier it uh, appears or becomes, and it occurred to me maybe that's yes. why all of yes. these analytical people seem to sit on the press level to get far enough from away from the game that they have no idea what's going on down on the playing surface.
0: No, that's 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 a great point. And actually, Ruben retweeted my uh, exploding elbows uh, or, article yesterday because uh, he's he's on to it. And again, he's another perfect example of a, a good baseball person, you know, he's doing a great job as a an, uh, baseball uh, analyst for, uh, you know, for the Phillies and maybe that's what he wants to do. But how he's not in somebody's front office is unbelievable to me. I knew him, I knew him not only with the Phillies as a GM and, but also as a, um, you know, when he was his time with the Mets. And, and 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 that just made me think of something. My, this has been going on for a long time because when Ruben was the, Uh, Base coach for the Mets, I remember being in Arizona, being on a trip with the Mets, and they were so – and there's no other word I'm going to say. it They were so horseshit running the bases that the next day they canceled batting practice and they had Ruben go from base to base to base with the whole team, pitchers included, on how – How to run the uh, basically a tutorial you would give to a t-ball team, and this was many years ago. So this is this has been in the making for many years. Uh, uh, It's not something that just cropped up overnight. It's just getting worse overnight, and 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 we're highlighting it because we're not afraid to highlight it. I wanted to ask you too. Real, uh, this is uh, uh, we did a story on this for you and I, and to me it was a fun story. But people don't know this part of your background that when you were GM in the minor leagues. It was at Key West. Give everyone a, uh, what that life was. You know, I know you got a million stories. You can go on for an hour about it, but just uh, give us a, a snippet of what uh, life was like back in the day when there was a minor league team in Key West and Don Zimmer was the manager. You were the GM. And, and there were a lot of fans uh, from Cuba who loved the game um, living in, in Key West at the time because of escaping Cuba. So just uh Give, give us somebody, everybody a little update on what that was like.
2: Yeah. go. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Key West was the Padres Class A affiliate uh, in the first year of San Diego's existence as a major league club. And uh, the fan base there were the original Cuban refugees. Uh, this even predated the arrival of the Mariel people. The people of Key West at that point in time were largely professional people, doctors, lawyers, uh, and, uh, and workaday blue-collar people who were solid baseball fans. Uh, Zimmer, based on his experience, uh, which he passed on to me, uh, said it was like playing in Havana. And it was a situation where small ballpark, though we had at Wicker Field, there we sold out every night uh, without holding any promotions. Uh, to say that those folks were rabid supporters and fans is is an understatement. Uh, but we had some real adventures there. Uh, my favorite of which, uh, if I may, was uh, where I developed an affinity for the umpires. Yes, please. Because one night. Uh, Zimmer protested a call and was thrown out of the game. Uh, The uh, plate umpire that night was Nick, the late Nick Bremigan who went on to umpire in the American league for a number of years. And his partner on that two man crew was uh, a good friend of mine still living in San Diego, Tom Romanesco. And uh, as, uh, uh, as the game ended, uh, I was, charged with the league president of walking the umpires to their dressing room, which was around down underneath the stands. Uh, And I thought if the Key West fans saw me out there between them and the umpires, maybe they wouldn't throw as many rocks as they were doing at that particular moment. Uh, To my chagrin, when I got out there on the field and started to walk with the umpires, I noticed that the rocks seemed to be getting bigger and bigger. Uh, but as we walked around and just before we entered the umpire's dressing room, someone on the other side of the wall saw fit to dump a bucket of garbage on us containing fish heads and any other foul substance uh, you could imagine. So it was at that point that uh, oh I uh, I felt wow. a little bit of what the umpires feel uh, after the game where the umpires parked out behind the right field fence. uh there was uh, across the street a pickup with three guys in the back, one of whom was carrying a shotgun. And the county sheriff happened to be there that night, and he told Nick and Tom, uh, as you know, there's a series of bridges that goes down to Key West, and the county sheriff said, I can give you a 20-minute head start uh, and stop things at that first bridge if these guys follow you. And I well remember that (laughs) Bremigan said, Uh, Well, 20 minutes, uh, it's not that much. And the sheriff said, you're right. It's now 19 minutes and 25 seconds. And Tom and Nick were off like a (laughs) shot. Uh, Fortunately, they survived. Now to fast forward years later, when I was working with the umpires, uh, I was talking with Richie Garcia, uh, an outstanding umpire, as you know. And uh, I knew Richie was from Key West. And I said, Richie, when I was in Key West, uh, where were you, like working in the Midwest League or someplace like that? And very innocently, you got to love Richie. He said, oh, no. He said, I worked for the post office in Key West, and me and my friends would go out to the ballpark every night and, pardon my language, holler and throw shit at you and Zimmer. Uh, And then when I told him the story about Romanesco and Brimigan, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, the guy on the pickup with the shotgun, he said, that was my cousin. So it's interesting uh, what a small world baseball can be and oh, how you gosh. make uh, connections uh, some 20 to 30 years later.
0: Well, that's, a, and that's, a you know, knowing uh, Richie, that's a great story. And it shows that, uh, you know, umpires are people too. So they, they, they lived that life where they may have yelled at umpires beforehand and, and, uh, before I ask about umpires, I got one other question because it's been it's been bothering me, and I want to know your reaction because you're on the business side of it as well. Um, and with the Angels, one of your former teams, it, it's come to light. I didn't realize this because uh, I'm not out there, but they don't the, the Angels and the Blue Jays. I think there's a story in the LA Times where I saw this, but the Angels and the Blue Jays, they're not sending their radio uh, broadcast team on the road, and that means. From what I read, it said that the Angels didn't even send them on the road to San Diego or L.A., Dodgers. And uh, what what a slap in the face to the fans and and talking about going again. How how could the Angels make such a decision? That's my question. And if you well, were still GM, the Angels, would, and I'm you, go, this because would you go of talk all, to the owner about uh, I that? I know
2: the, the ownership there has probably done more in this lifetime, charitably and so forth, than I would do in 10.
0: Well, that's nice to hear.
2: but uh, but that said, uh, why when when your contact with the public is largely through you folks in the media who have a job to do, uh, sometimes critical, if even if it's deserved, why would you move the press box at Anaheim Stadium down the right field line and replace it with uh, with a a restaurant? Uh, as an outgrowth of that, now you've got clubs not sending their radio crews on the road. Well, from a business standpoint, Kevin, uh, first of all, I see that as uh, an ultimate disservice to your fans. Uh, I, I don't understand the rationale behind it, but when you break it down on a business basis, what are you talking about in terms of expense? You're paying them salaries. People fly on charters, so it's not the cost of an airline ticket. So it comes down to perhaps the cost of a hotel room to be of service proper service to thousands of your fans why any club would fail to do this is beyond me
0: now it really speaks to what the base how, how the ownership in general is looking to save every penny and it goes back to what we were talking about I want to I want to link this to the minor league situation and, and the short-sightedness of it because they got rid of those teams to save some money and, and they're doing everything they can do to save money. And actually a veteran baseball man told me this and I didn't think of it until he told me, he says, that's why they're cutting back so much on development now and they're bringing in kids from college or, you know, uh, the, the Yankee hitting coach who was fired this year, he, you know, he was, um, he was, he was at uh, you know, like Southeast Missouri State or something like that before, and nothing against that because good, good talent comes up through, through the colleges too. But it's just so funny, and and the Angels' assistant pitching coach, who was going to save Otani, came from Driveline. You know, a few years ago, he was in general business, and basically, he, 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 again, you don't have to have this, but he pitched like, like two games at a Division three school and had like a fourteen ERA or something like that. You know. Um, My facts may be a little off on that, but they're they're just bringing—they're doing anything to save a buck, to make a buck, and of course, then we're getting into the betting. You were ahead of your time in in uh, in um, Key West because I I believe they were probably betting in those games, weren't they?
2: Absolutely, Uh, it was amazing the value that a Class A Key West Padres ticket had to the ball game, and certainly there was was money changing hands, because as you know, that was the norm in Latin America. And as I mentioned, it was uh, that year akin to uh, playing games in Havana.
0: Yeah, the and I want to bring up to with the umpires, you know, you've been on this for a while, but I remember in 2019 or 18, I think it was, you did a Sabre thing with Jerry Davis, who, who uh, I think Jerry's working with Little League now, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. Um, but uh, about the, the fear of technology overtaking umpire. What's your views on that and where that stands? And clearly you were ahead of the curve and you called it before it happened.
2: Well, one of my great regrets, first of all, working with the umpires was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my 40 plus years in uh, professional baseball. Uh, These people are a rare breed, Kevin, as you know, uh, in a positive sense. And not many people know that by the time an umpire may get to the major leagues, he has trained almost as long, if not as long as it takes one to become a neurosurgeon. Uh, When I came on board with the umpires, Mm. uh, One of the veteran fellows on the staff said, you're going to hear every year, at least once, that the umpiring is worse than ever. And I think that continues to this point in time. Uh, But it's a fact. It's a fact of life. And I facetiously refer to it as the Eureka factor. Uh, Umpires miss calls and they miss pitches. But here's the key. They do not do so at the rate that players strike out, miss ground balls, drop fly balls, make base running mistakes, throw bad pitches, fail to back up bases, etc. Somebody misses a pitch in a game, and of course I know today it's all over social media, but out of how many pitches that day did he see? Several hundred? Uh you know, and, and how was the umpire feeling that day? Did the Did they have a tough trip in? I'll tell you one thing about the Major League umpires. They do not miss games because of, quote, flu-like symptoms or soreness in their hamstring. These guys answer the bell every day. (laughs) Uh, They take foul balls uh, off their their body. They stay in the game. Uh, They're bright individuals. And I would tell you that uh, at one of the umpire camps we held out in California during my tenure, Uh, A friend of mine who had been a naval aviator went on to become a a California highway patrolman and then a lawyer and did some umpiring told me that what he learned in the short time at that umpire's camp was as detailed, if not more involved than what he learned in any of his other endeavors. So for people who want to criticize the umpires, uh, I gravitate to what many of the umpires say. Grab a mask. Uh, if you can do better, grab a mask. Uh, because the adage that I developed, Kevin, was that anybody can officiate uh, at the highest professional levels, whether it's baseball or football or basketball. Anybody can do that until you try it. And then you'll find out you may get it right the first time on a guess, but it's all going to be downhill from there. Uh Somebody, I remember a call a few years ago in a a postseason game. Uh, I think it was uh, something to do with the infield fly rule, uh, but there were other complications. And the problem with umpiring is something you may learn in umpiring school. You can work for 20 years in the big leagues and not see that play develop. And yet on the world stage, all of a sudden, there it is. And you're expected to rule properly on that. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. But again, any mistakes made by umpires are not with the frequency of multi-hundred million dollar players striking out or making other uh, mistakes within the game. So my adage on the umpire is either cut them a break or grab a mask yourself and see if you can do better.
0: It's funny you say that. That's That's so well put because I'm Again, getting back to the Yankees, uh, I think it was yesterday's game, first inning, you know, Yankee fans, you know, they're, they're, they're passionate. The Yankees, I think Aaron Boone has gone over the top when he's criticizing umpires. I think he's been a little bit too much, in my opinion, uh, going back to the uh, Savages quotes because I was there that day. Um, they, they, but the, the Yankees seem to me being one of those teams that really cry about every call, uh, every ball strike call, you know, if it's a, a you know, just a sliver off or whatever. But in the first inning of Yankee game yesterday, getting to your point, Hig- Hig- Sock- the, the Higgy, the catcher, who, who was the runner, by the way, who got thrown out of third the other day on a ball to shortstop, there's uh, a Rosarina stealing second base. Higgy throws it not just over the second, not over the second base uh, uh, fielder's head, way out to the right center. I don't know. He lost. Con- Bader, I think, was the center field. He comes in. Rosarina goes to third. Bader misfires, throws completely off the line to third base. And then Rodon, the pitcher, is not backing up properly. He's too shallow. The ball gets past him, and Rosarina scores. So, in the very first inning, the Yankees make three horrible mistakes. Meanwhile, if you flash forward, they're probably about some call in the fifth inning that's, uh, you know, right, you know, maybe a little bit low, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it's like they don't understand what the job is all about. And again, that's getting back to where we are with uh, how umpires uh, just, uh, you know, people don't understand what they do. They don't cut them any slack. And my theory is if they go to the automated uh, balls and strikes calls, it's going to be, it's going to be really a mess. You, you were there, you have all the experience on both sides of the ball What is your opinion with the ABS system, if it's ever put in place?
2: One, go. Uh, Well, first, if I may, Kevin, a little bit of quick background. Uh, Thanks to the progressive thinking of Sandy Alderson about 20 years ago, as you know, uh, systems were developed to evaluate umpires' ball and strike calling capability. Uh, in the early days, it was referred to as Quest Tech. Then I believe it progressed uh, to another iteration called Sport Vision. Uh, then uh, uh, the Z system, uh, every time with an improvement. And I am told uh, within the last uh, seven or eight years, long after my departure, that every time they would introduce a new system, Major League Baseball would tell the umpires, This is the best system that money can buy. It's an improvement over the last one. The umpires uh, would then proceed in terms of the accuracy on those systems to call balls and strikes over the course of 2,230-some regular season games, a staff average north of 95, if not 97% accurate. And at the end of the year, I was told on one occasion, Major League Baseball came back and, uh, and... Mentioned to the umpires, wait a minute, you guys can't be that good. (laughs) To which the umpires, I was told, could only reply, wait a minute, you gave us the system. You told us it was the best. So this has, in my opinion, nothing to do with umpire accuracy calling balls and strikes. Uh, Yes, umpires miss pitches and they miss on plays. But out of how many, what's the staff average on the best system that, uh, that money can buy? This, in my opinion, has something to do with something else. And I think in the overall, it's something to do with gambling as a matter of opinion. Mm. Uh, As far as that system is concerned, uh, when this system was first starting to be developed about uh, this robotic system about uh, four or five years ago, uh, I was told that in tests that Major League Baseball ran over about a two-week period that the system missed 500 pitches not called them incorrectly, didn't call them at all. Now you progress to about two years ago and in in the hope that they made proper refinements. uh, In an Arizona Fall League game, I read that the game had to be called after five innings because both teams ran out of pitchers due to 17 bases on balls being called by the system. Oh, my God. Uh, When a local writer went to MLB's director of engineering who happened to be on site and as far as the director of engineering, I'm sure every professional sport has a director of engineering. <laughs> but that said, the director of engineering responded with regard to that particular game. Oh, well, we think the system is working quite well. Uh, I go from there to what I was told two years ago by a former longtime umpire supervisor uh, when the matter of this system came came up, who said, be careful what you wish for. Because, uh, first of all, the pitch on that system, if it is accurately called, is going to be called when it crosses the plate, which means that if you have somebody who is throwing a good traditional curveball, that pitch is going to cross the plate within the zone. But with the hitters being spaced back to the back of the box, as many hitters are, and the catcher behind that, uh, by the time that pitch reaches the catcher, he may be catching it in the dirt with his palm up. And if you don't think that's going to lead to dispute, well, uh, then you're you're ahead of where I am. Uh, it's, it's another, in my opinion, it's another phony gimmick of people looking for perfection when what they should be striving for is excellence. And it's just a, another nail in the coffin of the game. Uh, I wonder... Uh, as sometimes occurred when we first had uh, boundary replay. Uh, What do you do with this uh, robotic system if someone shows up at the ballpark and it being technological, somebody coming to the plate umpire who maybe has not called a pitch firsthand in however long and says, oh, by the way, the system is not working today. Or in the alternative, uh, if you're a plate umpire, uh, on the surface, in Philadelphia or Kansas City or one of those cities in July, where the surface temperature is 120 degrees, and it's the seventh inning in a key situation, and you're kind of dozing off, and you're supposed to call the pitch. If the system misses it, well, the system misses it, and now you're you're expected to react immediately and call the pitch accurately. Uh, you know, it's just uh, unbelievable that uh, anybody would consider tampering with the game in this regard and it goes to something yeah, I that those points are... the, uh, the yeah. late physicist of all people uh, Stephen Hawking once said uh, which was that some of the advances in science and technology are going to be the greatest dangers to mankind. Well you can incorporate baseball with that because some of this technology uh, is uh, needless it's ridiculous. Uh, pitch.com, so that people don't steal signs. Change the signs. Have somebody else give the signs. The game survived for over 70 years, but what came out of this is somebody developed a system that somebody uh, somewhere decided, well, we can utilize this, and it's another gimmick. Uh, that is not employed at youth league levels. If I may digress, one of the great attractions yeah, I, to I, baseball, it, it as almost we know, <clears throat> used to be that it was played at the little league and every other youth league level as it was played in the big leagues, save perhaps the, the designated hitter, uh, which was easily employed if one so desired. Well, now, uh, as uh, a, a neighbor of mine told me about a year ago, uh, Kenny is going to play little league baseball next year so I guess I have to go out and buy him a bat, ball, glove, shoes, replay unit, pitch.com, and plenty of body armor. Uh, not the way it's supposed to be, as we know. But the robotic system, uh, again, I, I hearken largely to what that former supervisor said. Be careful what you wish for.
0: No, great points. Now, the
2: problem that I see today with the people running baseball is that When things don't work out, do they say, well, we tried this, it's not working? No, they double down. Uh, And their adage seems to be, uh, over the recent past, if it's not broken, let's break it and try to fix it another way. And if that doesn't work, we'll fix it again, but we'll never go back to the way it originally was when it wasn't broken to begin with.
0: All great points. here. you
2: have... People training for years, doing comparatively a good job, let people complain about the pitches missed, but it's not as if people were missing 15 or 20 pitches a game. People tend to complain about the one or two pitches, if that many, uh, that uh, may be close uh, and yet are not always accurately defined by what we see on television. But let's replace them with a technological system that a lot of people don't have access to. And again, as a matter of opinion, given time are going to cause greater problems within the game.
0: So well said. And I think uh, I remember a couple years ago going to one of the minor league games where this system was in place and there were some veteran uh, baseball people there, former pitcher, many years in the majors, a pitching coach. And I asked them afterwards, I said, the this system, how many pitches does it miss a game? Uh, He said anywhere from 25 to 30. So, uh, and misses them badly. So I'm guessing now, I think the system has not improved that much, even though they've tried different systems. I'm guessing that at some point, this is what they'll do. They will keep the umpires calling balls and strikes, but they will give the players X amount of challenges a game. And then they'll go to a replay and they'll, and they'll replay it. So, uh, that's my guess. We'll see where it goes. And I, and, and that's where we're at.
1: Oh boy. Oh, Mike, I, I we've kept you for close to an hour today, maybe even more. We appreciate your time. Um, I think our audience got a ton out of this in terms of, you know, the state of the game and opinion from a veteran who's been there and done that and seen it all. Why people aren't counseling with you. I don't know, but uh, I got one quick question before we get into Kevin's uh, last question you got that thousand dollar check from Duke Snyder. He gave you great advice. Cash it first. It was you know half joking, but uh, you know good advice nonetheless. And a good amount of money back then. But if he was really had the foresight, he would have signed it for you and told you not to cash it. And you could have sold it on eBay probably for ten times the amount <laughs> right now.
2: Well, perhaps so. But uh, uh, you know, I think he, uh, as much as he tried to help me with my hitting, uh, it was hitting basics, and that taught me. Uh, Reflecting on the contribution that he made, given giving me his time, was that uh, you look at a lot of the cottage industry stuff going on now. uh, It used to be that teaching people hitting, you would teach them hitting. You didn't need a lot of artificial theories and, uh, you know, uh, formulas and what have you. You need to do baseball things to become proficient at the game. There are no shortcuts. And if I may digress uh, a word, uh, given what we were discussing earlier with regard to the umpires, uh, one of the things that I continually chafe at is when I hear somebody say, well, the umpires' call cost us a ball game. No, not true. The game is in the hands of the players. And Gene Mock used to tell his players with the Angels, there's no rule against scoring 17 runs. Because it's a game of <laughs> adversities, and in the game, things are going to happen. Your third baseman is going to miss a ground ball, allowing two runs to score. Your best hitter is going to strike out with men on second and third in a key situation. A pitcher may throw a wild pitch, et cetera, et cetera, But if you score 17 runs, and the other guy only gets seven or 10, you win the game. And winning the game is what it's all about. So, I know it's fashionable to place games, uh, place blame uh, in this day and age on others, to find fault with others, but at least as far as baseball is concerned, the game should be within the players' hands and they should be focused on winning the game. Uh, A mention was made earlier on regarding the wild card, and admittedly, I am not a wild card fan because I'm a disciple of the great. Yankee general manager George Weiss, uh, who said, There is no such thing as second place. You are either first or you are nothing. But I think baseball today may be overly populated by people who have never won at anything, yet have a closet full of participation trophies. Because now, I was told hypothetically, it's possible to finish third in your division And if you're the second wild card, still wind up in the World Series. Not what it's supposed to be about as a matter of opinion.
1: That's a great point. I think it leads us very appropriately into Kevin's final question. He does uh, at the end of every show with our guests, uh, simple in nature, but very deep. Kevin, I'll pass it back to you.
0: Yeah, Mike. And, uh, you know, thanks for being with us and uh, your, your knowledge is off the charts and we'll definitely have you back because there's so much you can talk about that we just scratched the surface with. But the last question is, uh, I, I ask everyone this and we get a whole range of answers depending on their experience and where they stand. So you could think uh, you can think about it for a second, although you'll probably have an answer right off the top, but it's a simple question and it's really, uh, it's the essence of what we do here and why people listen to the show and how we try to make them better role players. But, to you Mike Port you know a, a veteran baseball guy who's seen it all done it all and and, and clearly is very um, you know you know you, you don't fly off the handle you, you look at things the right way and you think about and you're a thinker and, and you get things done but to you Mike Port what does it mean to be a ball player it's that simple question what does it mean to be a ball player?
2: What does it mean to be a ball player? It means to be well-rounded and to focus on your craft uh, without artificial gimmicks and shortcuts. Uh, to have an intellect that uh, whereby you know, uh, again, in terms of the eight tools, how to play the game. To have an awareness of situations. Uh, to uh, respect the game. Uh, to wear the uniform of your team. And I would mention, that's why they call it a uniform. It's not a matter of adopting individualized costumes. You're uh, supposed to be nine guys functioning as one unit on the field, moving men over, doing the proper things within the game to win the game. Uh, and I've uh, seen too many instances where there's, uh, as a matter of opinion, too many elements of individualism involved.
1: So well said. Yeah, great. That's a great answer. And Mike, I think we could have you on for ages here with all the information. Kevin's right. We got to have you back, not just one more time, but as many times as you'll agree to, to come on. So thank you so much for giving us well over an hour today, an hour plus. I know our audience got smarter. We have a very sophisticated audience, so a guest like you is right up their alley. Um, but thanks again for coming on to the show. and Kevin, thanks so much for what you bring to the show as well. Our uh, audience of close to 50,000 right now, 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. We appreciate your support. Keep following us. Make sure you give this show five stars. Give Kevin some great comments underneath the, the show reports, and we can keep bringing you great content like we do every week here. And Mike, thank you for coming on today. We appreciate you so much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: And Kevin, thank you for all you do for the show. And make sure we follow Kevin on social media, support our brothers over at Ball Nine. And if you're not reading Kevin's articles, then you must be living in a cave right now because he's the only guy out there that's shooting it straight at you, and he's, he's the last lone reporter telling the, tr- the truth. So, Kevin, keep up what you're doing, the pendulum swinging back in large part because of you. Appreciate
0: that, Dave, and uh, we'll discuss some of that next week because I think the Nationals are doing some things now that are baseball-oriented. Suddenly, they're playing better.
1: It's amazing, right? It's common yep. sense. Be careful. Common sense isn't very common nowadays, so that's why I think you're so well-received. And guys, thanks so much. Episode 265 in the books, Coaching Kern and Real Voices of the Game.